Hi everyone, welcome to Potluck Food Talks. Today we have a special guest, John Regefeld. Uh, he's a chef with a long track record. He's from Sweden, but he has worked for many years in Italy and for the last years in the Basque Country. And he's calling us from the Paris airport. How are you, John? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I just landed in Paris from Lebanon, actually, where I've been doing some work on a project we're doing right now. Nice, nice, guy. So we today the topic is new Nordic cuisine, and I wanted to talk with you about this because I, I know you you've been lecturing about this at Basque Culinary Center, and also you're Swedish. So first of all, well, how would you define new Nordic cuisine? Why is it? What is it? And and why is it important? Well, I would say new Nordic cuisine is probably important because of the effect that it has had, like in the in the rear view mirror. I would say we've been uh, talking about New Nordic cuisine now for basically 20 years. Uh, and I would really say I at least notice it has had a big effect on other contemporary cuisines from around the world. So that's why I'm saying in the rear view mirror, I think it's it, it has been a really, really important stepping stone as a contemporary cuisine. And it actually, I mean, it started back in, in, in the early 2000s. And I would say that it's kind of um, kind of characterized by by minimalist presentations, but also this this search for kind of going back to the roots and the original flavors of the territory. Even though my, you might use uh, innovative techniques in the kitchen, but still the focus is always kind of on the on the on the ingredients. And and I would almost say kind of it's a reinvention or adaptation of of a cuisine based on preservation techniques that's usually what i what i tell my students as well it's it's we, we have a lot of preservation techniques of course in the in the nordic countries as in anywhere around the world but very very focused on a lot of fermentation a lot of pickling and smoking and drying and so on so of course there's a lot of techniques traditional ones that you can use even in a contemporary cuisine But I would say the New Nordic cuisine is a little bit different in that way. Instead of taking traditional recipes and giving them kind of a twist, you know, which which might be the first approach, the first easiest approach, take a traditional re recipe, give it a modern twist, and, and, and you're good to go. Instead, what I see happened in the New Nordic cuisine was an exploration of the ingredients themselves as a starting point for innovation. Instead of starting from a ready-made recipe from our grandfathers or grandmothers or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> which is what happened. What, what happened in the new Basque cuisine that they wanted to take uh, recipes from grandmothers and bring them to high-end restaurants. Well, cor correct me if I'm wrong. My way to define, so to say, a new Nordic cuisine, I would say, is a movement where where the focus was towards not only well, you mentioned ingredients, but to be more specific local ingredients that weren't as valorized uh, as before, if I understand correct. As it happened in many countries, high-end restaurants in, in the Nordic countries were more looking to France and to Europe instead of uh, looking inwards. And, and this was kind of the, the inflection point. Is that correct, uh, more or less? I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, in the Nordic countries, we had the same, you know, French cuisine movement, French cuisine-influenced Movement, movement during the 70s, 80s, 90s. So this was kind of a 
counteraction almost to to create something really new but really local. Uh, so not importing ingredients from France, not basing ourselves on on French technique, but looking into our own terroir, into our own countries and seeing what, what ingredients do we have. Uh, maybe even ingredients that we used to use back in the days, like hundreds of years ago, but had been forgotten or, or ingredients that you actually have to go out and search for yourself and forage because you can't find them in the supermarket, you know? So it was a way to differentiate yourself from other regions and really look into what, what, what do we have in our, in our landscape, in our forests? What, where, where is the differential? Where, where, what is unique from here? Was there a starting point, same as in the new, or, or are there like grandfathers of the new Nordic cuisine? In my perception, I would say Bobek was doing new Nordic before new Nordic was a thing. Or I don't know what was it someone else? It's 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 quite funny this uh, Nordic cuisine because there's really like there's really a point there's a really a, a kind of a date where where a group of chefs sat down around the table and agreed upon a new a new set of rules for what they were calling the new Nordic cuisine. So so there's actually a, a very clear starting date for this. But uh, of course, there were people doing doing stuff like this beforehand as well. I mean, um, I remember one of my first memories of what when I was really surprised by someone doing things differently uh, back in the nineties. It was the chef Magnus Ek from a restaurant Oaxen in Sweden, and he was doing what I would say would fit perfectly into the new Nordic cuisine way before it was even defined and 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 written on a paper. So we're talking mid mid nineties, and he was uh, he really created his own local cuisine, natural kind of naturally delimited by space because he was on an island. He was on the Oaxen island, and he was using ingredients from that same island. So it was very very logic for him to have a very very local approach to ingredients, a lot of foraging, a lot of uh, using what what was available on the island, but also he was very focused on using traditional old uh, Nordic cooking techniques, preservation techniques. So that's, Bobek is another example of, of, of people doing things before new Nordic cuisine was defined. But for me, I think Magnus Ek was probably the first one where I really thought like, wow, this guy is really doing something different when all the other ones are, are still uh, in, in kind of a French Nordic cuisine. And would you say there there what would, would you be your top list of, of strongest exponents? I, I don't know. Cox come to my mind, maybe Faviken, Noma. How would you build like a top five list in your opinion? Yeah, I would say, um, of course, I mean, everyone knows René Recepi of Noma. I would say a little bit later as well, Magnus Nilsson of Faviken, Espen Holmerbang of, of Maemo, of course. I think Magnus, uh, no, sorry, sorry, Matthias Dahlgren as well in Sweden was doing, he was doing kind of a, in the 90s, a, a Southern Europe inspired kitchen, but he, he pivoted to a really, really Nordic cuisine in a very natural way, which also I find what, was very interesting. Uh, as I said before, of course, Magnus, uh, Magnus Ek of Oxen and maybe even Klaus Meyer, no, it's not really the chef that, that the other ones are that we've been mentioning, 
but he's more of an entrepreneur and he was one of the persons that really got the snowball rolling on, on, on this whole new Nordic cuisine, actually. So we talked about Noma. Uh, I think it, it's worth to to make like a special mention on on what what did Noma that was so great. How did it become the best restaurant and the most influential in the world? I remember the first time I heard about Noma. I was working at Mugaritz back in 2005. I heard about this place, and one of the first things they said it was that they weren't using olive oil and chocolate because it was not a local produce. And for me, this was so counterintuitive for a restaurant in Europe, you know, no chocolate and not olive oil. So this really opened my mind to see like, what, what, what are these guys doing in Denmark? Well, you, you've been there eating a couple of times, right? You, you actually, you actually worked there. Yeah. Yes, I did as well. So, so yeah, I kind of, um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Of course, the, the, the whole fact of just uh, looking for the most local ingredients. Which is a little bit actually in the case of Noma, uh, Noma, yeah, they they talk about uh, ingredients from the Nordic region, of course. But if we look at a map, the Nordic region is is, is huge because also uh, sourcing at Noma was anything from from Denmark, of course, which I would say is is quite local, but all the way uh, to Iceland to to Greenland. So uh, geographically. Noma was sourcing uh, from a huge area, but more, uh, I mean, more than, more than just ge geographically, we're, we're talking about an area that has a climate that's very similar. Uh, so it's more about the kind of products that you can find in these countries, the kind of climates, the kind of preservation techniques, cooking techniques, the flavors that bringing those ingredients and, and, and those cooking techniques together, the kind of flavor that it creates. So, so that's why, even though, I mean, we're talking about kind of locally sourced, but, but the, the Nordic region is huge. So, so it's a little bit kind of counterintuitive uh, talking about uh, local ingredients and, and then sourcing from the whole, the whole Nordic area. But it's, um, I would say what Noma did, differently was uh, just being very, very, very decided uh, on, on using only ingredients from, from, from that area and, and, and finding a way because it's, it would be so easy to just like fall back on, on ingredients that you know would work imported from other places. But uh, being just so firm in the philosophy, I think that's one of the main reasons Noma became what it became. Yeah, I can't think of anyone who did that before because, uh, for instance, it comes Santi Santa Maria to mind uh, at Rancode Canfaves in Catalonia. He was doing like, like a very comparable thing in his, in his restaurant, but he he would source ingredients from, from all over Europe. And I know that because I worked there. But uh, I mean, he was also like, like uh, sourcing local products uh, that weren't being uh, used anymore. So, and also another thing from Noma, I think they re redefined the concept of what an ingredient is, like using whey or different types of grasses uh, or things that you wouldn't normally cook with. Exactly. Yeah. Ingredi ingredients that maybe uh, uh, up until that point were considered uh, either just plant, just plants, like uh, something you see in the in the forest or in the park, or uh, things that you would consider uh, animal feed, maybe like 
uh, hay or something like that. And, and and they made it actually into an ingredient, you know? Yeah, or things that nobody would dare serving in a restaurant, like, I don't know, bear heart or things like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but the things of, of redefining what an ingredient is, uh, Nordic food labs come to my mind. Uh, I remember one, one of the uh, researchers from Nordic Food Lab saying once, uh, everything is an ingredient. Whatever you see in the forest, you, you could transform it some way into something edible. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, as long as uh, an ingredient isn't toxic for, for a human being, it has all the potential in, in the world to, to be an ingredient in a, in a dish, definitely. Um, you have being Swedish and having eaten in so many of these places also worked. Uh, what, what would you say are memorable dishes that are really representative of, of the Nordic cuisine movement? Well, let's see. Memorable dishes. Yeah, there are, of course. Ladies and gentlemen. No, what uh, Memorable dishes. Yeah, there are probably too many to, <laughs> to list them all. But what comes up now, like... That I would say uh, Nomas pickled vegetable dish with bone marrow and, and pork jus is one of those dishes uh, that really struck me as well as as a as a unique dish in a way that because it changes every day. So it's 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 a dish that has a base of pickled vegetables, uh, six different pickled vegetables, uh, smoked bone marrow and pork jus, but. Half of the dish was this actually like the, the garnishes, the, 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 the flavors coming from foraged uh, herbs, from flowers. That part of the dish changed every day based on the season, based on what, what flowers were, were blooming that day or what fresh little herbs could we get that day. So that was definitely, I would say, a signature dish of Noma. Uh, but then also moving on to dishes where when Noma started incorporating Uh, ants into the dishes, which, which is probably also like a kind of groundbreaking moment in the new Nordic cuisine, serving, for example, ants on a tartar, on a beef tartar, uh, something that had never really been seen before in the region, actually. Um, yeah, and, 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 and Maemo as well, a very well-known restaurant in, in, in Oslo. Langoustine cooked with spruce is one of their really... Super famous dishes, I would say, uh, or or Fevikin in the northern part of Sweden, which which do did <laughs> because they're closed by now. The a scallop, a scallop cooked over juniper branches. Nice. Uh, so there are a few dishes that I could think of right now. I I can think if I think about new Nordic cuisine, I would also think of subcategories like that. There are like the more sea oriented, more forest oriented, grill oriented. And this brings me to this uh, time and place, which is also like, like a like a big uh, statement inside the new Nordic. What what how what would you say time and place is when it, in this context? So time and place is basically one of the first concepts that Noma came up with when they started the the restaurant and when they really focused on the local cuisine and the traditions from the from the Nordic countries. So time and place was basically uh, a wish for uh, that they wanted the client, they wanted, they wanted the people that sat down at the table to be able to, just by them eating there, just by looking around, just by, by the atmosphere, understanding what time of the year it was and uh, in which place of the world they were actually seated in a restaurant. So 
they wanted the menu to be that unique over the course of the year, right? That during the different seasons that you would actually be able to notice through the dishes that uh, now it's summer or or now it's uh, autumn. Now it's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, game meat and, and um, mushrooms on the plate. So of course it's autumn. So that was kind of the original thought with the, with the concept of time and place. Could you think of any chef that, that are perhaps less uh, recognized, that they deserve more recognition, that that are really representative of the new Nordic cuisine movement uh, that that you would recommend? You actually mentioned before the the grilling as 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 a as a technique, right? As a concept, and there's a there's an interesting chef that has a, a restaurant in Stockholm that is totally focused on everything that has. Uh, to do with wood-fired cooking. So this is Niklas Ekstedt of Restaurant Ekstedt in Stockholm. And his restaurant, he doesn't have any um, electrical devices in his kitchen. It's totally wood-fired. So all the techniques are like grilling or, or, or slow grilling or smoking or drying with smoke and, and, and so on. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, he's done a lot of interesting work for kind of revitalizing ancient cooking methods like that. I actually know the the head chef of Exted because I work with her at Campavas. She, she, she's an Argentinian. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, not yeah Florencia. That. She's a super, super badass chef. Yeah. Um, what else? I would probably name drop a few more. Maybe maybe Sasu Larkanon in, in Helsinki as well. There's a lady called Heidi Bjerken in Trondheim uh, in Norway who has a restaurant called Credo. Also, extremely very nice local cuisine, does a lot of sustainability work as well. So she's definitely interesting to check out. In the southern part of Sweden, I would say Daniel Berlin, also a name that might not be as well known as the other ones, but but definitely interesting to check out. And abroad, is there anyone doing Nordic cuisine? I know that Klaus Mayer opened a restaurant in New York. And also that Aquavit, that is a super old Swedish restaurant in New York that used to be run by Marcus Samuelson, now pivoted into like a new Nordic thing. And you come up with any other examples? Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, Aquavit was was a Swedish, like really kind of traditional restaurant in New York, even back in the 90s. Oh, so, yeah. And um, and they've also pivoted to a more more modern, more more contemporary Nordic cuisine. Uh, another one in in New York is Aska, uh, which is definitely more more towards a, a new Nordic style of cuisine. Um, I think those would be the examples right now, right? What do you think about that? Does it loses the whole? concept of <laughs> ultra local cuisine doing it in New York or abroad or what, what is your opinion on that? Actually, I think, uh, I, I mean, uh, traveling around the world as well and uh, now during the last years, of course, after this big influence of the new Nordic cuisine, I've seen a lot of chefs and restaurants around the world copying, uh, copying in some, sometimes even straight off dishes from from the new Nordic cuisine. And I think that's the wrong approach of doing it. Of course, they can still be very good, amazing dishes, but it's not linked to your territory. If you're in Latin America or you're in Asia or any other place, it's it's not really, you only get half the experience. So I think much more than 
hopping a dish straight off. What what we could do and what we should do is be inspired by by the concept and, and what we've been talking about about uh, are the basis of the new Nordic cuisine, right? The, the, the going back to the ingredient stage, looking at the ingredient, exploring, analyzing the ingredient, and take it from there and do that on a local level. So go with your own ingredients. Then you can apply as many techniques and, and from the neurotic cuisine as you wish, or just think about the concept, right? And But use it on your own cool ingredients. I think that's so much more interesting than just copying a dish straight off. Okay, my last question is, um, first of all, is the new Nordic cuisine still alive? And uh, since the kingdom of Ferranadria in the mid-2000s uh, until now, I think it has been the dominating trend in, in high end. Is this still so? Is there a new trend? What can you tell us about that? I would say it's it's very much still alive. What I see that kind of the transition have been lately is that what might have started off as a high-end, a little bit exclusive cuisine uh, during the first years of the of the new Nordic cuisine has kind of, you know, trickled down to a very, very normal restaurant, like your neighborhood restaurant level. So actually, I would say in the Nordic countries, it has inspired a lot of chefs that are not doing haute cuisine or high-end exclusive cuisine, but actually chefs in, in, in restaurants where anyone of us could could go any day. And I think that's probably the most positive effect that I'm that I've seen and then for me personally. And also it has brought a lot of awareness in general to the general public of of, of what our traditions uh what our traditions are, what our ingredients look like, what our what our territory like looks like, uh, what foraging is. You know, there's so many aspects that uh, really, uh, I would say, uh, it has brought an awareness to normal people that are not uh, working uh, or are not active in gastronomy. I would say that's probably the most, the biggest effect it has, it has had. But for me, it's very, very much still alive. I mean, it's uh, there's so many combinations, there's so many ingredients that you can still explore. Uh, you can use with any combination of techniques, so it's it's kind of never ending. You just have to keep going and 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 uh, let it let there be an evolution to to the new Nordic cuisine as well. That's it for this week's episode of Potluck Food Talks. If you like what we're doing, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok as Potluck Food Talks. The show airs every Monday.